You've seen their TV shows. You've watched their webcasts. Now, the boys invite you to Poker in the Ears. Hello, my babies, and welcome to Poker in the Ears. I am Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. Here's my work wife, James Hardigan. Together again. Uh, We've had these kind of on and off podcasts because these pesky live events and webcasts keep getting in the way, but I think we now have a clear five-week run before our summer break, before you go to Vegas, Joe, where we can actually have a nice little mini-series of shows for people to enjoy. Nice, yes, the new model of of shows. Just five episodes, but we're going to have a good, meaty storyline and leave you with a cliffhanger at the end. One of those pesky live events that got in the way was EPT Monte Carlo, and this is our EPT Monte Carlo wrap-up show. We had a super high roller. Yes. We had a Twitch special. Yes. We had a main event. Main event. We had some very good times. The best time I've had in Monte Carlo in many years. Really? Yes. I I don't know if you... Don't get me wrong. I enjoyed it. I'm not sure I would chalk it up as number one. But yeah, it was... was, We had had fun times. Good times. Good times. And you know what I based it on basically, James, is that I didn't get in trouble for anything this (laughs) entire trip. And that really means a lot to me. Uh, We got to see our good friend that we knew already from Monte Carlo, Ali Reza Fatehi, the fish with one eye. He made deep runs in both the super high roller and the main event. So we've got him on the show this week. Fantastic. It's also the second week of Scoop. So we've got a few headlines from that in poker news. Uh, I'm very excited. Super fan for Stape this week. This is Spinal Tap is one of the all time great comedies. Um, I am pretty excited to see uh, what uh, what I can do with this one. So, Joe, I last saw you um, at Nice Airport. We were bizarrely on the same flight coming back to Heathrow, where you then had your connection before going home to Los Angeles. Unfortunately, I didn't get to say goodbye to you at Heathrow because you took too long to get through customs. And by the end of that trip, I just wanted to go home. I was actually only about like 90 seconds behind you, but uh, I didn't want you guys to wait. It's no big deal. We've had many hellos and goodbyes in our uh, in our work in our work marriage. And uh, I don't I don't need. Hey, look, if I never see you again, I won't be upset that I didn't get a kiss goodbye (laughs) for the last the last time. What have you been uh, doing since I last saw you? Dude, at nice I have Airport? been so busy. I've done a few guest stints on some other shows. Poker Night Live. Uh, Liv was on last week. Last night we had a big show um, where uh, it's so funny saying hello, my babies at the top of the show because because of American television, James, um, my other show has in two hours has 10 segments, which is nine commercial breaks, which means there's. 10 times that I'm saying hello, my babies, because oh I say God. it when you, I come back. You literally say it at the top of every seven minute part. Top of every part is hello, my babies, and welcome back to Poker Night Live. So, um, anyway, I just said it for the 11th time in the last 12 hours at the top of this show. Uh, I had a big show at the comedy store Saturday night, and all the crews in town for doing that other show. So, they all came out. And, uh, James. I guess one of the things people are going to learn over the next few weeks is that we actually got kind of close with uh, Finton and Spraggy over the course of Monte Carlo, which I think is another reason why it was probably the best time I've had there in a long time. I I genuinely enjoy those kids, and um, I got to be get get a little close with them, with Spraggy especially. 
And Spraggy started doing this thing where I accidentally made the mistake of telling Spraggy how nervous I get and how much I hate doing the winner interview and the trophy presentation. So now, whenever I'm on my way to do one, he hides somewhere in the corridor. And then as I'm walking out to the stage, he follows me going, hey, mate, don't worry about it. Everything's going to be great. You're going to be fine, mate. Hey, don't worry, though. Like, there's a lot of people watching, but you're going to be fine, mate. No, no, you're you. Hey, you know what you're doing, mate. And so he's he's constantly fucking with me awesome. over this over this Love thing it. I don't like to do. And so right before I go, uh, I'm about to uh, leave to go to the comedy store on Saturday night. I get like 11 emails in a row and I can hear my phones are going like bling, bling, bling. And I'm like, oh, this can't be good. And I look and it's these DMs from Spraggy. Big show tonight. You're a naturally funny person. Don't let the pressure build up over the hours. Thinking about it getting closer and closer. Don't let it play on your mind. I believe in you. X. Wow. So, yeah. So. Awesome trolling. Loving it. Loving it. Great trolling. And I noticed my trolling of his uh, his scoop finish didn't really get it. It didn't even get a favorite from him. But whatever. It's fine. Uh, the show went. I'll say this fairly well um it was a really dis- big disaster of a night and i didn't go on until midnight so the audience was incredibly tired and drunk by the time i went on stage and uh every comedian bombed Ooh. except except for me okay i was the only one who didn't bomb i didn't do great but i was very happy considering like this guy named tom seguro who's done four netflix specials got put on before me and he bombed wow so it's one of those gigs where because no one threw a bottle of piss at you we could deem it a success totally a plus yes piss free performance (laughs) uh if we could talk about movies and tv for a little bit i i don't want to talk about this yet i want to know what do people think of lost in space i haven't started watching it yet i was really intrigued by the trailer and what i'm trying to get a steering on is whether this is a family show whether this is a show i can watch with my daughter or whether this is more of a an adult take on lost in space in the same way that that star trek show that netflix did discovery was a bit more adult than your normal star trek fair I, uh, I don't watch shows with that in mind, so I wouldn't feel comfortable giving you a definitive answer, but I'm pretty sure it's family-friendly. Okay. Um, nothing stands out to me as being that. Uh, and the whole show is about their family, so I, I think it's made with that in mind. Okay. I What I might do is just watch the first couple of episodes just to get a steering on it. But at the moment, I'm so into the new season of Westworld and season three of Billions that I can't handle another TV show right now. So I'm going to have to put off Lost in Space until later. Billions might be the next show that I pick up because Brian Compliment, I started following him on Twitter, even though I, I kind of have a policy that I only follow friends on Twitter, but uh, I, we were trying to get Brian for the show, and so I was I was looking at his Twitter, and he's a great Twitter follow. I really respect that guy a lot. And Billions is a very, very well-written show. I couldn't recommend it enough. Yeah. Um, I got a chance to go see Infinity War with Griffin. He was in town for one night, and he had already seen it, I mean, he wasn't even in town for one night, and he stayed at my apartment. He was at my apartment from literally 1 a.m. to 6 a.m., but we made sure to go see Infinity War from 10.30 a.m. to 1 a.m., and he had already seen it. Um, I thought it was fine. I don't know. Like, And I think he was a little disappointed by that. Like, I, It might have been because it was late, and now if I see movies too late, it was after the show last week, after the live episode of the show. 
And I was so exhausted by the time I saw it. Just like the people at the comedy store, I was like, "Yeah, it's it good. It's fine." Yeah, and uh, you know, it's it. If you're not in the right frame of mind, if you're going to see something because you kind of feel that you should, or because you have to, or someone else is taking you, then maybe you're not going to appreciate it in the right way. It is a film that I do want to see, but I am so far behind that I'm not on sure. The universe. Yeah, and it's 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 annoying that these movies. It's very difficult to to even the standalone films to appreciate them when you've not seen other movies in the MCU. And it's like it's really annoying that you need the context of every single film in the series to watch the next one. Anyway, I will get up to speed with Thor Ragnarok and Black Panther, and then I'll hit Infinity War. Um, I haven't seen any movies myself. As I said, it's all been TV over the last few Cup- weeks couple of quick reviews just because i was on the plane i saw i watched the disaster artist and i tanya on the plane back from monte carlo uh from from london to los angeles and i thought they were i thought disaster artist was excellent i tanya i thought people were kind of overrating it a little bit but it was quite watchable uh and i started watching the show called barry on hbo do you guys have barry on sky atlantic yet um i'm not sure haven't seen any trailers for it or promos for it it's a it's a hitman played by bill Hader, a hitman who like does a job in Los Angeles and stumbles into an acting class and decides that he wants to be an actor. And uh, it's again, maybe one of these like inside Hollywood things, but like Bill Hader's face just makes me laugh so hard and I'm really enjoying it. So if other folks want to weigh in on that, I'm happy to hear your opinions. Oh, actually one film I did watch and it's revisiting an old film and it's a film that we actually discussed on a podcast early this year, the most recent Star Wars movie, The Last Jedi. And I distinctly remember at the end of us talking about it on the show, I said, this needs... Uh, a, a retrospective watch this needs to i need to see it again on disc to kind of really form a final opinion yeah and watching it again i do feel it's overlong by a good 20 minutes but not in the right places i was confused by some of the deleted scenes that are on the blu-ray because some okay. of the deleted scenes are brilliant and need to be in the film. But I don't want the film to be any longer. I want less of the unnecessary angst between um, Ray and Luke. All the stuff that you said, him refusing to train her, him walking around his island, him fishing. So tedious. Yeah, less of that and more of the fu- some, some of the great stuff that's missing that ended up on the cutting room floor. Um, and I have to say, one of the best making of documentaries I've seen in a long while is on the Blu-ray, where yeah. it's a it's obviously the story of Ryan Johnson making this film. And to give him credit, more of the weird creatures are actual puppets or animatronics or costumes than I realized. I thought there was a lot of CGI in this film. I thought they'd gone back to the prequel era of just creating all these aliens in a computer. No. Actually, they are real. A lot of these creatures are genuine, on-set, people in outfits or animatronics, including those horse things that they ride on uh, on the casino planet. What about the Porgs? Are they real? Tell me Porgs are real. I need Porgs to porgs be real. Porgs are actually animatronic. They're not CGI. Wow! So in that respect, I have to give them credit for that. Um, so I still really like the film. I don't think it's as good as uh, Force Awakens. I don't think it's as good as Rogue One. It's flawed. It's overlong. But I'm still willing to look past many of the things that really irritated and annoyed some of the other big fat nerds who absolutely hated on Ryan Johnson. I do not hate this film. It's flawed, but it's still a very good entry in the uh, in the franchise. Yeah, like I didn't love the movie, but it wasn't for any of the reasons why most people didn't love it. I was just like, oh man, can we just can we just get to the fucking training already? 
Uh, and just quickly before we move on, John, the producer, has just leaned through the glass and held up his SkyQ app on his cellular device to alert me to the fact that Barry is indeed on Sky Atlantic in the UK. So it's one that I can download and catch up with. And it's a 30 minute show also. So it's, you know, it's not one that uh, it's not a huge commitment when you see that there's, you know, 10 episodes or whatever. All right, Joe, let's rattle through some headlines. What's going on in poker today? Now it is time for Poker in the Year's News. And we start with a proper news story. Uh, We start with some industry chat, which we don't normally do on this show. And I'm pretty sure I said that on the last episode as well. Uh, (laughs) But there was a big ruling. It's but it's good news. We do, well, we do cover some g- good news. And potentially good news for poker. This was a big decision taken by the U.S. Supreme Court. I don't want to get bogged down in detail, Joe, and I don't want to patronize people, but I think it's worth explaining how things work in the U.S. Because obviously you do have states making their own rules and their own laws, but then you have laws which are decided at a national level, so-called federal laws. And even though the state of New Jersey, which as we know is very gaming friendly, it has the casinos in Atlantic City, it has online poker, PokerStars NJ, for example, and they did pass a law that they were going to have sports betting as well. But there is a federal law, or was a federal law in place which was passed in 1992 which said that sports betting is illegal throughout the US with a few exceptions one of them being the state of Nevada where it was grandfathered in but crucially the US Supreme Court has now ruled that that law passed in 1992 is unconstitutional and now it's up to each individual state to decide if they want to regulate license and tax sports betting so obviously New Jersey are good to go Pennsylvania good to go chances are New York will follow suit maybe California down the line but where this impacts poker is that where in the past states may have been reticent to worry about gaming if it's just poker if sports betting is part of the package as well there's much more of an incentive because let's be honest that's where the money is Right. And ultimately, I am just a fan of rights being granted, uh, personal freedoms being granted back to the people. You know, people should be able to do what they want with their money. So in my opinion, any time a decision like this is made, it could eventually lead to things that are specifically good for us, but just in general, good for consumers. Yes. So whether it will be good for poker remains to be seen, because ultimately this is about sports betting beyond anything else. But certain states which have maybe maybe looked into iGaming and maybe looked and said, well, if we can't have sportsbook, it's just not worth it. Now you can have sportsbook and poker. Maybe those states will start to work together and we'll get kind of uh, markets sharing liquidity. I do think the prospect of New Jersey, Pennsylvania and New York being a compact is really exciting uh, for online poker in America. It's going to be a few years. It's certainly not going to change overnight, but it's it's an interesting prospect. I found it, by the way, Joe, when I was looking into this, this law that was passed was really to protect sport from corruption. This fear that if you had sports betting, that the sports themselves could be corrupt. I find that interesting because obviously... Because the exact opposite happens if it's, if it's illegal. Well... Uh, Exactly. There's more chance of corruption because it's underground. And if you look at other countries in the world, and obviously I have to compare it to the UK because we are a big sporting nation, uh, you know, lots of big sports, especially uh, football. And obviously we have 
I think we're the number one country in the world for regulated gaming. We've got more sports books than you can shake a stick at, including on the high street. So it's interesting that it's not been a major concern here. Not to say there aren't problems and there aren't scandals, but you have to have the right checks and balances and the right investigations in place to ensure that you clamp down on that kind of thing. So how does somebody bet the over-under on a soccer match? Was the line one for every game? <laughs> uh, it's normally in the region of like 1.5 or 2.5 if you're going to talk about total <laughs> must, goals scored. Must be a really hard job for English bookmakers to be like, oh, should we make the line one or 1.5 for this game, guys? People is tend it- to bet, go for more like outright scores, what the actual final <laughs> score line is going to be because there are fewer combinations normally. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it's... It, it this is you know obviously a, a a huge thing and you look at all the major gaming corporations including the owner of PokerStars Stars Group share price went up ten percent so clearly there is a belief that we are going to see a massive change in the American market which can only be a good thing. This is super funny. Like I woke up the morning that it happened and uh, my best friend Sam he texted me with the I hadn't read the the ruling yet with it and he said is this good for you and I said not directly but. I, I th- I think so. I think maybe it is. And then I scrolled through Twitter, and everyone's like, "Hell yeah, hooray, yes, sports!" And I was like, "Okay, no, it turns out this is probably good for me." Yeah, but again, it's not going to change overnight. It's going to take time. Um, so much going on in scoop that we can't necessarily cover all of it. So I picked out a few key headlines, Joe. Um, should say the work that the guys are doing on the PokerStars blog, particularly Stephen Bartley's daily roundups, gives you a great overview of what's happening right now. That's where I go for my scoop information. That's where I discovered that Calvin Anderson won his 10th scoop at the weekend. He has actually won two scoops this year. It Within a two-day period, uh, those two scoops worth a combined 150k, but I believe that he has the winningest record in scoop now of any player. Congratulations, Cal 14142781. What is that? (laughs) (laughs) Another amazing achievement is the Swedish player Lena 900, who won uh, Scoop 25, which was a $530 No Limit Hold'em event, passing $10 million in online winnings. And we often talk about live winnings, but sometimes online winnings don't get mentioned enough. And that is a pretty phenomenal statistic to have won $10 million in online events. Do we know anything about the human being that belongs to Lena 900? An enigma. Uh, we know about this guy, though, Wizzo Wizzo, Ola Shemian, who won the 10K PLO High Roller for $1.26 million. Another day, another seven-figure score for this, what is he, 25-year-old? It's unreal. Um, one thing I find really uh, entertaining, and it's something that they're doing over at the PokerStars blog, is the Golden Scythe Awards. For a bit of fun, they're keeping track of players who have knocked out the most players during Scoop, both in individual events. Um, <laughs> for example, they're looking at the highest knockouts in a single event, and there's a player from Hungary called Robinson1984 who took out 25 players in a single event. So he currently has... Uh, the number one position Damn. on that leaderboard. Uh, a kind of John Wick go big and go home strategy is how they're describing it on the blog. And of course, they're ranking Team Pro as well. The current standings of how many KOs have been claimed, how many scalps have been taken by members of Team Pro. And according to the latest rankings, Jamie Staples has the lead at the moment. He has knocked out 29 players across 19 events. That's an average of 1.53 eliminations per event. 
That's uh, that's wild, especially Jamie was sick for the beginning of Scoop. I think that he probably wasn't even at the top of his game. It's got to be just because um, I was talking to some of the players about this last night that when you become a thing, when you become a fa- like a well-known player, you just get action. People want to play pots against you. They, they, It's a win-win for them. Either they beat you or they get a story of getting knocked out by you. So uh, good work, Jamie Staples. Uh, there's one member of Team Pro who I don't think – is faring super well in scoop because I hit up Chris Moneymaker to come uh, be on my show in Los Angeles. And he was like, uh, scoop this week. I can only do next week or the week after. And then a day later, he's like, is this week still open? Oh, dear. um, yeah. And I was like, Oh man, no, we already filled the spot. I, I thought you're playing a scoop and he just wrote back scoop. Didn't go so well. <laughs> so, well, to be fair to Chris though, do you remember we discussed it when we were in Monte Carlo, he had that amazing run in NJ coop where he just seemed to be winning event after event after event. So that's the strategy. Win the small ones, lose the big... Oh, no. Hang on. Don't do that. Okay. Uh, I was trying to put a positive spin on it, Chris. I'm sorry. I failed. Uh, But as I brought up the subject of Monte Carlo, why don't we do this? Event Recap. Event Recap. PT Monte Carlo 2018 in the books done that's it till Barcelona yeah um I wanted to talk about something James that we also don't talk about very much on the show which is strategy which is strat now do you remember how the super high roller was a super slow roller yeah I mean this was by virtue of a couple of things obviously it was the particular players that ended up at that final table and the players who ended up going heads up it was also the nature of the fact that the previous day when they played down to the final six went ridiculously quickly quicker than it should have done so they were done by 8 30 whereas normally they play until midnight on day two so they came into that final table super deep we knew the final table was going to be long I don't think we expected it to be that long. And certainly I did not expect the heads up battle to be as long drawn out as it was because by that point they were starting to get shallow. Yes. And remember we were kind of trying to figure out like why they were playing that particular strategy and it was a little bit different than what we were used to. And then we were like, well, it is Christoph Vogelsang and Sam Greenwood. So chances are they're probably playing it right. And then I was like, James, what if this turns out to be like what? the new wizard strategy is for heads up after talking to live who had been talking to Ivo- Igor turns out. Yes. Turns out we could be in for a lot more of this heads up strategy. Well, this does not surprise me because I can't believe that you would get two players as accomplished as Christoph Vogelsang and Sam Greenwood making mistake after mistake Correct. after mistake in a heads up battle. Um, it didn't make the most spectacular viewing But that's not to say that it was bad poker. I think, to be honest with you, the strategy or the low ball approach to how they were playing was not the main concern for the audience. It was Christoph's MO to use all 30 seconds 
of the shot clock on every single decision that I think had them slightly tilted. But he's always been a thinker. He's always been a slow acting player. And you can't argue with like, I, of course, I'm right along with the audience, like all of the time, except for the fact that like Christoph Vogelsang is really, really good at this and really, really successful. So he's doing something right. Like whatever his process is, I can't none of us can take that away from him. No, of course not. But I think we have to concede that sometimes, even if heads up poker is being played at the best possible level and taking nothing away from those two guys, it doesn't necessarily make the best spectator entertainment. So we have to find alternative ways of having our fun without being disrespectful for the two players who are competing for a, a big title, a big trophy and an obscene amount of money. Yeah, absolutely, and it was I don't know, it was just nice to find out that, uh, oh, no, 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 these guys know exactly what they're doing. Yes. I think it would have been different. I think it would have been much different, obviously, had Ali Reza Fatahi made it to Heads Up. Absolutely, and here is a guy who we've seen a lot of recently because he was in Monte Carlo a couple of years ago, came third in the Super High Roller, was back in Monte Carlo in 2017, and we got him on the PokerStars Championship Cash Challenge. You saw those shows go out a couple of months ago. He was back in Monte Carlo this year, made the final table of the Super High Roller, finishing third once again, went deep in the main event, made the top 50. He is very much the man of the moment, so we are very pleased to welcome to Poker in the Ears, Ali Reza Fatehi. Hello, my babies. I can say like Joe. <laughs> oh, man. That's, what an honor. Yeah. Thanks for inviting me for this uh, podcast. And I appreciate it. That uh, really, I, I want to appreciate from all of you people that you are so kind to me always. And I enjoy with you in all the games. Well, we enjoy you, and that's part. That's why we are make such a big deal about you. Is that uh, you know we we deal with a lot of professional poker players and a lot of wizards, but we really appreciate people who uh, a come from other walks of life who aren't necessarily professional poker players, and b people who bring personality and friendliness to the game. And this is something that you do very well. And uh, so, I guess my first question is. Uh, are you having as much fun playing as it looks like you are? Yeah, really. The the thing is that in the poker, first of all, I like to enjoy the game and make uh, communicate with the others people, and then playing poker. Uh, I'm not like a robot player that's sitting and uh, not talking, not watching anything, and uh, just play poker. I prefer first of all to enjoy the life, enjoy the playing the game, and then the poker is on the second for me. Now, I noticed that uh, a few times while we were watching you, as what happens most of the time in poker, you took a couple of bad beats, uh, you lost a couple of big pots, and you seem to take it very well. Do you ever go on tilt? No, really no. Always when I, if I win the pot or I lose the big pot, uh, really it's nothing changed for me because... Uh, it's poker and I cannot control many things. It's happened many times that I get bad beat to the other players. That which is, uh, it's like uh, two way. It's going to be happened for me also. And I'm not getting sad about that. And if you see always I'm laughing on losing or winning. Yeah, I know you definitely proved that uh, during the cash challenge shows. I guess I have a question about um, 
How do you think you compare to the other players at the final table? Do you think you're an underdog? Do you think you guys are all in the same playing field? How do you think you stack up? Actually, uh, I don't believe uh, I'm an underdog when it comes to the level I found myself compared to the others. I mean, uh, the poker to me is not merely a competition in which I have to win. Uh, I believe uh, we should respect poker for what we play and uh, the sake of being together and enjoy each other to each other's company I mean so you're saying that there as far as uh, it's a it's a level playing field because we're all there just sort of to have a good time and there's something to be uh, appreciate about that yeah exactly also for the first one that's when when I entered to the first super high roller tournament which was the first uh, tournament ever that I played with the Super High Roller are started. Uh, I know that all my friends and everybody says you have zero chance to make anything there. Your friends but, say that to you. Your people you yeah. call friends, they have said zero chance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you waste your money to them and you will lose. You need but, new uh, friends. <laughs> yeah. They said like, you know, they, they want to... Uh, like, uh, give me an offer to cancel this one, the 100K. Uh, we lost <laughs> this money because of that. I said, I don't care about that. And really, the thing is that I want to compete with the best in the world. And I believe on myself that I can do something. And you see what happened on that day. I mean, yeah, you, you came very close. Uh, yeah. I mean, obviously. And, you know, we love to see uh, someone that maybe... Uh, the world considers to be an underdog. I don't think people think you have a zero chance, but I think also they're like, hey, who's this guy uh, who we don't see all the time? I am incredibly curious, Ali Reza. You're a bit of a mystery to us, and I know that you, some of the stuff you like to keep private, so whatever you feel like answering, do or do not answer. But can you tell us anything about the cash games you normally play? And I'm guessing they play pretty big. Uh, yes, actually, I like to play big cash game because the thing is that, uh, but not against pros. I prefer to play always with the businessmen. Uh, the thing is that in the big cash game, uh, it's enabled me to encounter successful businessmen in different fields, which usually leads to close friendship and very good business relationship also. Um, on the other hand, also, I love poker for the sake of poker. I mean, Poker should be respected always. That's interesting you say that. So uh, poker is a bit of a networking tool for you. And I guess this is the part that... So can you tell us about what stakes you play in these cash games just for the people out there that kind of like uh, like to hear about big numbers? Normally we play 100, 200, or 200, 400 like this. Okay, so I, I mean, look, you're such a mystery to me. I thought maybe you could have been playing 5,000, 10,000 for all I know. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe let's, and, let's see what happens. And what can you tell us about where you come from as a businessman and what sorts of, uh, you know, what sorts of business friends you're making at the poker table? Uh, I'm uh, Iranian originally and live in Dubai around 12 years. The, I, I'm involved in a wide range of different business, but my main focus is on property investment in Dubai and, somewhere else in the world, and also doing some uh, IT job. 
That's uh, that's. I mean, I can only imagine that being a property investment guy in Dubai is a very lucrative business. Uh, how was your birthday? You had a birthday recently, right? Yeah, it was uh, actually every year third of May that uh, I'm involved in the Monte Carlo the Poker Stars tournament, and I think God will give me every year some small gift to me that uh, before my birthday I get it and again this year you see that I run it uh, very good and uh, get turned and God give me the gift yeah well I guess that you're doing something right the rest of the year round if you're always going to get that as a birthday present uh, what is it that you uh, want to accomplish in poker most like what would be the title that you're looking for really this year that I enter really from my heart I was planning to be a champion uh, because always I like to improve and improve for anything in my life, in business, in poker, in everything. I was trying my best to do that and also uh, a lot of experience that I had it, uh, this year, not that two years ago. Uh, it's helped me a lot that I'm going higher and higher, but uh, really sometimes the cards that you cannot do anything that uh, I think you saw that how I busted I can after that when I finish it I can I think about that I can maybe control it better in better way to lose less in that part but uh, sometimes you know uh, the thing is coming and you do like that and I uh, my uh, not straight on the flop lose to the straight flush against Vogel sign yeah that was uh that was a brutal one. Uh, Ali Reza, I'm still amused, by the way, you saying that you're in property investment and IT. I have a vision of one moment you being involved in the erection of some massive skyscraper in Dubai, and the next minute you're telling someone to turn it off and turn it on again. Um, <laughs> we obviously saw you in the Cash Challenge TV shows. Have you had a chance to watch those shows? Because you were a huge part of that table with Sam and Jake and Jamie. Yes, really, I enjoy, and uh, every week that uh, it's coming around 45 minutes like that. Really, I was waiting always to come and I watch myself first uh, and uh, see what I do, because really I forgot some parts of that and wants to watch. I like to make a lot of jokes on the table, have fun with the people, and really when I saw myself, I enjoy it. I mean, the one thing more than anything that Joe and I have taken away from that is the idea of the watermelon bet. The idea that sometimes the watermelon is sweet and sometimes there's a sausage. Where does this come from? Yeah, actually in Persian, there is a proverb which uh, says if you buy a watermelon and uh, later on after cutting, if you find a sharp red watermelon, it means that you made a good bet. Otherwise, uh, have made a bad bit so bad that uh, you might find a bad, salty, uncooked sausage <laughs> in the heart of that watermelon. It's like that. <laughs> I like that a little bit of the Persian culture getting uh, wrapped up into the poker world. Uh, Ali Reza, I know that you are a family man. I think you've got three daughters, right? Yes, that's true. Um, uh, it's like three wonderful gifts from the God that's for me and the most wonderful thing in my in the world uh, my wife and my daughters are a proof that me 
uh, that in this world I am a gifted man, really. And family is everything for me. And I am happy that in this world, at least this piece of happiness is granted to me in, and I wish same of joy um, and happiness for all the people and families in the world, especially in the Middle East, that, you know, it's uh, which the number, number one in victim uh, of war and conflict is family. And uh, you know that how many dads, how many mothers and uh, many smiles and happiness destroy for nothing here. Uh, I wish, really, I wish one day every father could taste the joy of their family and happiness at ease. You know, uh, I really appreciate that about Yali Reza. And I, I've seen, you know, I've gotten to know you a little bit over the last couple of years, and I, I do appreciate how warm and inviting you are. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Ali Reza has invited me and James out to various dinners and sporting events and to his home. He really is this genuine of a guy. I just have one question about the family. Do they watch you on TV? Do you gather the whole family around when dad's on TV, or are you still <laughs> waiting for them to get a little bit older? Yeah, of course. Always when uh, they know that I'm playing, all my family watching that. Also, brothers, mo- my mother, and all of my friends following up me. And they said always, uh, "We have more than you stress. How you sitting there and uh, just smiling always? We have a lot of stress there because they can see the cards and what happened for uh, what happened for me there. And always they have a lot of stress." Well, uh, you have zero stress, it seems, so they are carrying it all for you. Alreza, thank you so much for being on our show, and I promise you I will let you buy me dinner sometime because I love <laughs> I love a free I meal. I love a free meal, but every time he messages me, I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry I'm already home or we're out doing work still. So I promise I, I've never turned down a free meal before in my life, so don't worry. We'll get there eventually. in the ears huge thanks to ali reza for taking time out of his very busy schedule to join us on the show i never feel guilty joe about hitting up a poker player because you know they just don't really have proper commitments schedules they they make their own schedule exactly whereas ali reza clearly is a guy who has things to do people to see places to go investments to make time is money for ali reza fatehi We assume. I still really don't know that much about him. (laughs) Um, So from the super high roller to the main event. Oh, we did have the Twitch special sandwiched in between it, which I mockingly referred to as Twitchy Pete's Monte Carlo Mayhem because uh, Pete, who looks after the the Twitch channel, looks after Finton and Spraggy, uh, he came up with the original concept, which we then modified to make it at least vaguely broadcastable. It was still at times a complete shit show, but I think the audience found it more or less entertaining. Okay, so it was vaguely broadcastable because out on the stage there, I had no idea how it was coming across. Yeah, I mean, I like these things. I think it's good to do something a bit different. It's good to have a bit of fun. Uh, It it was a free roll, effectively. You know, there was a decent prize at the end of the rainbow, but no one had any of their own money actually invested, which meant that they could really let their guard down. But when you've got all of the team pros, all of our ambassadors playing against each other, pride is a factor, and those rivalries really came out. People were taking this game seriously, as evidenced by the fact that Randy, he he came out wanting to kill from the start. Randy was pure gold during this. If you guys haven't seen it, go back and watch it. Go back and watch the replay of it. 
Randy goes headfirst into poker, into these weird little forfeits, into all of the banter, and he is, I absolutely heart that boy. He is hilarious. It was a fun diversion, and I think it led very nicely into the main event. You know, we can then get a little bit more serious again when we're playing at that level. But yeah, with the forfeits, uh, with the fish costume, with the mittens, uh, with the I'm... awful drawing that Liv did of you, that kind of stuff, I, 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 it, it, it kind of worked. I Unfortunately, one of my favorite things that's ever happened at anything, at any of our events, I screwed Fatima and not... But the you, kind that people are hoping. But you didn't was, because this was the whole... They, we were playing an orbit where... Or you said to the end of the level where the worst hand wins. So obviously people are playing shit cards. But you made it absolutely clear. Guys, I'm changing the rules because the level ticked over during the hand. It's now best hand wins. And I know you were slightly concerned when Fatima was deciding whether to call with five high. That she still <laughs> thought it was low hand. But even when... It was made explicitly clear. No, Fatima, the rules have changed. It's now best hand wins. She was still convinced that her five high could be ahead of Jake Cody's range. Right. And it, it could have been ahead of Jake Cody's range. Here's how Fatima actually gets screwed, though, James, is that she does eventually make the call with five high. She is incorrect. And it, look, it would have been fucking baller if she was right. It would have been amazing. Here's the problem. People keep clipping that segment, but they're leaving out the part where it started off as worst hand wins first. Well, of course they're taking it out of context because it's much more fun that way. Right. And so there's this clip now of Fatima going around where she calls with five high and people just think like, oh, here we go again. Like another another wackadoo athlete making a call with five high and it actually i just want the word to get out there that there was at least some rationale behind this yeah it good wasn't luck with that. just <laughs> you're fighting a losing battle joe i feel terrible about this and so you should um main event we covered days two through five uh so day two was a weird one right because we only played three levels and i felt I guess we left the audience wanting more. We left the players wanting more. No one was really happy that it was a really short day. We were thinking, oh my God, what have we done screwing up this structure with the shot I was happy. The- I don't know if I mentioned the fact that I went out to dinner with two of my friends who were visiting from London. So I was I was perfectly happy okay. with the three-level And day. obviously <laughs> Joe Stapleton's personal satisfaction should be the primary concern of everyone <laughs> attending one of our live events and watching our events at PokerStars TV. It was just a happy coincidence for once. Um. It was not ideal for the vast majority, for the 99.9999999% and of people who aren't me. We were trying to come to terms with whether it was the big blind ante or the shot clock. I think actually it was purely about the fact they played two extra levels on day one. And it'll be interesting to see whether they still do that uh, in Barcelona or whether we go back to playing eight rather than 10 levels on day one. Because for every other day, the shot clock, big blind ante didn't really make that much difference to the pace of play. The big blind energy speeds things up for sure, but it doesn't really affect the game dynamic otherwise. And the shot clock ensured that we didn't have any egregious tanking either on the bubble or getting close to the bubble um, or on days four and five as we got close to the final table. It ensured a very watchable experience. Yeah, the whole thing ended up, I I would say, call it success. Um, 
player feedback seem to be overwhelmingly positive. Well, this is the thing. I'm talking about this purely, again, as spectator entertainment. The shot clock sure. worked for us as far as people producing a live stream. Whether it worked for the players... I don't know. I know that they're very keen to get feedback from everyone, um, including the qualifiers, the recreational players, and to ensure that this isn't putting any genre of player at a perceived disadvantage. We need to make sure that there is a strong enough argument for everyone who wants to play in one of our main events for there to be a shot clock in our main events. I can appreciate that, but don't you think that we would have heard more rumblings if people were hugely against this like i really no, because didn't when hear we, much because the, the rumblings you hear are when it's going to be the players with a voice and it's going to be the so-called influencers it's going to be the players who compete in the 25ks the 100ks they've been playing with shot clocks now for the better part of two years the the players you're not going to hear from are the silent majority but that's why we need to reach out to them. That's why we need to speak to them on site. That's why we need to follow up with them after the event and make sure their voices are heard as well. Because what we cannot have is an event where the pros are at an absolute advantage because the recreationals feel the shot clock is impacting on them. Now, I don't believe that it does. I believe that most casual players can easily cope with that 30-second timer. But I could be proved wrong, and it's going to be player feedback that proves whether that's true or not. Did they include the question in the player feedback survey as to whether or not they care what time I get to go to dinner? I believe that was missing, but I'll make sure it's included in the survey for Barcelona. Come on! Um, we need to mention our qualifier, Joe, because we found a fantastic qualifier to follow in the footsteps of Robert Pankowski, Georgi from Hungary via Germany, who oh, played, man. and I'm calling it now, it is May, but I'm calling this the hand of of the year the seven deuce bluff can you please help me remember this when it comes time for like poker awards and they're like looking for moments and i'm like i don't remember anything that happened this year can we please make it a point to try to make this i hand will a not thing? forget this hand the problem is that the only poker awards still going are the american poker awards this was a european event with a european player so i'm not really sure it's going to qualify with again. an american commentator Two American commentators, because Maria was in the booth at the same time. Yeah. So cut me out, and then we could submit it. And let's just—I <laughs> tell you what—and we'll we'll fix it in post. We'll put a big stars and stripes around Georgi's neck, and then all's good <laughs> in the world. Um, an amazingly fun hand. It's it's everywhere. If you haven't seen this one, I, you must have been living in a cave because it's been on every social media platform going. But definitely, definitely you know a hand it's... that's going to be hard to beat this year. You know it's a big hand when, like, certain players that aren't even such a fan of what we do are retweeting it and posting it themselves. I was like, yeah, yeah this is a thing. There we go. Uh, you mentioned already, Joe, that we got to spend a lot of time with the boys, with Finton and Spraggy. I had a lot of fun times with them. I do still feel guilty, though, and I do chalk this one up to, to you and Spraggy that we would get Finton with a fake movie, knowing that Finton's pop culture database is really limited. <laughs> His knowledge of movies is practically non-existent. He has got a list that a friend put together, it's not a very good list, by the way, of films that he should see. And you said, let's make up a movie and convince Finton that this is the best film ever made and he has to see it. And I don't know how he fell for it. I really don't. This film was so implausible. The idea, the idea of Kubrick 
starting a movie and Spielberg finishing it is not beyond the realms of possibility because it was only a slight extension of what happened with AI. Right. But the idea that Schwarzenegger and Stallone would appear in the same movie as Al Pacino and Robert De Niro, that Stallone would disappear from a movie halfway through because he had a falling out with Steven Spielberg, that some random actor from some Netflix show that looks a bit like Finton would also be in it, plus it would have a cameo from Scarlett Johansson. And... It's so good that it's not listed on IMDb. I mean, at some point, surely your spidey sense has to tingle. I, unfortunately, this is why I felt so bad about it, is that I think Finton, like, really looks up to us and was, like, there as, like, a like in part to be, like, mentored, and we just abused the fuck out of that. <laughs> We were just like, oh, do you have any reverence for us whatsoever? Let us squander that and destroy it right now. Welcome to the show. Which means you're part of the show. And also, I'm sorry, Spraggy was equally complicit in this. He was definitely there at the conception of this idea, and he poured petrol on the flames. He did, but he's also the one to extinguish those flames, because apparently the way it went down is that, like, Finton's in the elevator with Spraggy, like, at the end of a long day. And he's like, you know, I think I'm going to watch that movie uh, when the dust settles. And Spraggy's just like, oh, mate. No, buddy. Here, hold on. Let me. Uh, I can just picture him pulling the emergency stop for a second and be like, look, Finton, I have to tell you something. The movie's a lie. You idiot. So, yeah, I, I, I genuinely felt bad after that for, for like a minute. Um, but it was a good prank. It was a good, hey, it was good, clean fun. That we, Again, we didn't get in trouble. That's true. Um, we've run pretty good with final tables recently in main events, and this was no exception. At one point, I think on the penultimate day, or maybe the day four, but there was the prospect that we would get a final table even better than the one we saw in 2013, widely regarded as the greatest lineup of all time. There were so many heroes remaining. A few of those heroes made it to the final table, including Patrick Antonius and Ola Shemian. We had a former champ in there. Uh, obviously, we had our qualifier in there. And then we had this quiet, unassuming French driving instructor, Nicolas Dumont, who had started the eight-handed final table as the short stack. We barely heard anything from him. Then he just found this amazing opportunity where he tripled up in a three-way all-in, took the chip lead, and then held on to that chip lead, opened up his game, and just dominated the final table. Yeah, uh, he was adorable. And I think think i don't really do this very often but i think at one point i was like this guy's definitely winning this tournament i just had a feeling about him um and i liked him because he was a regular guy and uh he as i went out to do the winner interview was like i i won't do the accent he was like i really like the way you say my name and i was like what what and he's like yeah you say dumont instead of dumont like whatever you know like the slight subtle differences between some way someone says their own name and the way I say it. Yes. Uh, so yeah, he was, he was super thrilled. He was happy. He asked to not answer too many questions in the interview because of the language barrier, but I just thought he was about the cutest thing ever. Yeah, he was. Uh, and I, I love the story of the fact that he was staked by his mate and his mate was on FaceTime to yes. celebrate the winning moment there for the trophy presentation. Uh, fantastic stuff. Just one quick story from the journey home. Um, <laughs> I mentioned the fact that Joe and I did not reunite when we got to the other end of our flight. But when we were at Nice Airport, um, it was you, me and Francine, and we were all, well, I was particularly hangry. We did want to get something to eat. And 
I would be perfectly happy with just walking into Pret-a-Manger and getting a sandwich or a salad. But no, Joe, you absolutely hate Pret-a-Manger. You have a, a, an, an unbelievable and inexplicable resentment of that place. It's one of the few times I'm ever kind of diva-ish. I'm like, we're all grown-ups. We all have jobs. Let's eat at a sit-down restaurant. This like walk over to a, a, a case of food and like grabbing something that got made like seven hours ago. It just I, – I don't know what it is. It just turns me off. I don't like those style restaurants. Okay, so we go with Joey's idea. How did the sit-down restaurant work out for us? Well, we sat down. We sat down. Uh, I, we also got menus, and that's as far as we got. Yes, and look, and the the thing is that like I'm a bit of a uh, like a nervous traveler. Also, I don't like sitting in the restaurant up until like five minutes before our flight's supposed to board. So we fucking got back up, went back downstairs, and ended up eating at Pret anyway. Wait. James wins as usual. James gets his fucking way. What a shock! You got to have a beer, which you then promptly spilt over the table. So what more do you want? I didn't spill it; it exploded. <laughs> There was spillage. There we go. Let's just leave it at that. Um, So, yes, I did mention that with Monte Carlo now wrapped, the EPT's on summer hiatus until Barcelona. Satellites for Barcelona are running now. Uh, While we're talking about the lobby, and I wonder, Joe, do we now have to change this music as it was adopted by John Oliver on the last episode of Last Week Tonight? Did you hear it? I did hear it. I'm like, oh, my God, it's the lobby theme. He's ripping off our podcast, but then we did basically almost rip off his show by picking a title track that was obviously aping his. Um, <laughs> I'll consider it to be a polite homage. Uh, Scoop continues through this week and into the weekend, concluding with the main event. Don't forget, satellites are running if you can't afford the direct buy-in. Uh, the low is $109. The medium is 1050 The high, $10,300. And then on Monday the 21st, it's what they're calling the Scoop Players Party. So the idea is, Joe, that if people who've been competing in Scoop, people who've yeah. cashed in Scoop events, get yeah. tickets to the party on Monday the 21st, and there are quick-fire spin-and-goes on Monday, and that's where you can use the Scoop Players Party tickets. So basically, it's just a chance to use your tickets and try and win money in these spin-and-goes on Monday the 21st. They're saving on open bar, but they're giving away spin-and-go tickets. Hard to have an open bar in the virtual environment. Also, I'll figure out a way. Don't you fucking challenge me. Also on Monday the 21st is our next $500 free roll. This Monday, here are the times, 3.15 p.m. Eastern, 8.15 in the evening in the UK, 9.15 in the evening in Europe. It won't appear in the lobby until registration opens, and that won't be until 15 minutes before it starts. No late registration, only available to players in Canada and Europe. It's called The Full Monty, but spelled as in Monte Carlo with an E rather than a Y. Get it? The Full Monty, because it's our Monte Carlo. And the password, in honor of our guest, Watermelon Bet, all one word, (laughs) Watermelon Bet, W-A-T-E-R-M-E-L-O-N-B-E. Enjoy playing that free roll on Monday. Enjoy the rest of Scoop. And while we're giving, whether it be $500 free roll prize pools or be it satellite tickets, let's have a super fan on the show. One of them loves the EPT, knows it inside out, and would do anything for the European Poker Tour. The other one is Joe Stapleton. 
It's Superfan versus Stapes. Yes, another chance for one of our listeners to win a satellite ticket plus some PokerStar swag. Please welcome to this week's show, Mr. Rob Tebbett. Greetings, Rob. Hello there. What up, Rob? Good morning. Well, it's good afternoon here, too, Joe. Yes, I know, I know. <laughs> good whatever. I wouldn't mind, um, Joe. You are getting up at the normal time for most normal people. It's not like we expected you to be awake at 3 a.m. It's, it's 6 o'clock in the morning, and uh, I got home from <laughs> doing my other show last night at 3. Your show's off air by 9. Yes, I know, but sometimes you got to stay and hang out with the guests till 3 o'clock in the morning because they're really cool. When you say they ha- you have to, you mean you want to. Sometimes you have to drink 17 beers with your guests because that's a part of the game. Uh, now, Rob... It's sounding good for my chances. <laughs> indeed. Now, Rob, it used to be that Joe would rip off a line from Kindergarten Cop. I'm going to rip off a line from Robocop and ask, Rob Tebbett, who is he? What is he? Where did he come from? <laughs> okay. Um, I've... Um, who is he? Go on. Let me translate that for you. Tell us about yourself, Rob. We need to get to James, know Mr. Tebbett. I, I thought that this question was going to be better and less confusing than who is your daddy? What does he do? And it turns out, nope. No, nope. I might just have understood as... that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I work for a, a marketing department for a food service supplier. Um, I'm 47. I've been playing poker for a while. Um, I got into it when I watched late night poker. Um, back in the day on Channel 4, um, and I've just been playing ever since. So, Rob, if you first got into poker by discovering late-night poker on Channel 4, that is many, many, many years ago. Um, how much do you play? Is it mainly live or mainly online? Uh, it's mainly online. Um, I, I'm still just a small stakes player. I just play for fun. Um, I started out playing free rolls and won a bit of cash on that and then just... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm a winning player, but a very small, at a very small level. So hey, um, a win is a win. I got to play live last year at Nottingham uh, for the first time, um, and uh, so yeah, so I've got an entry on Hendon Mob. So nice. Um, well, hopefully we can add to that because hopefully you can spin up your satellite ticket into another live event entry, and we can see you on the EPT. Now, Rob, I did apologise to you a few weeks back because you submitted your entry for Superfan versus Stapes last summer, and it slipped through the net. My bad. I apologise. You wanted to do Caddyshack, that came and went. So we gave you an alternative choice uh, with the promise of a 109 euro satellite ticket still attached. You came Ooh. up with another 1980s comedy. This is Spinal Tap, and I am amazed that we've got through more than 120 or nearly 120 episodes of this podcast, and no one's picked that movie already. Surprising to me as well. This movie actually was a surprise to me in general in real life, where uh, I, I saw this movie for the first time when I was at university, and I couldn't believe that there was a movie that was this funny that I hadn't seen before. This movie is an all-time great. It is an amazing film. Uh, I'm really glad that you chose it, Rob, and I'm really glad that you gave the opportunity uh, for our interns to see the film for the first time so they can compile the quiz that we've got for you. Um, I take it you're a fan of 80s comedies. This is from a sample size of two, Caddyshack and Spinal Tap. (laughs) It's my era, I suppose, yeah. Yeah. 
Well, let's see how you do. Um, Joe, you mentioned at the top that you rewatched the film recently. Hopefully it's fresh in your memory. As ever, there are multiple choice options available should you need them. But if you can nail the answer to the question without the options, you will get two points. There are also random bonus questions attached to certain questions. Uh, there are 10 in total. And Rob, because you are our guest, because you are our super fan, you get to pick first. One through 10, where would you like to go on the board? Oh, no, 11. That's a shame. Um, I will go for number nine and still Joe's favourite. Oh. <laughs> now, interestingly, I think, and this might just be a little bit of a clue, which maybe I should have given at the top of this quiz, that the questions are in chronological order of the movie. Actually, they're not. They're not. Sorry, I just realised they're not. Uh, I was figuring that as the questions went up in number, they kind of were later in the narrative. Um, near the end of the film, this is question nine, the band discuss making a musical about Jack the Ripper. What is the title of that musical? Saucy Jack. It is Saucy Jack for a point. You're a naughty trouble. one. Two points. Saucy Jack. Uh, Joe, you're down 2 nil. Which question would you like? Oh, well, I'm glad I didn't pick number nine. Let's throw things off. I don't usually go for it is always coming seven, but the seven, it is always coming. You should be able to get this one. What is the name of the song that Nigel plays on the piano? <laughs> the name of the song that Nigel plays on the piano. It's a very beautiful piece of classical music. <laughs> it's right up your alley, Joe. I'll take, I'll take the choices. Is it <laughs> Big Bottom, Warmer Than Hell, Lick My Love Pump or Clam Caravan? Lick My Love Pump. For one point. There is a bonus question attached. What other instrument does Nigel use during his topless guitar solo? Uh, a xylophone. Incorrect. Rob, you can steal. Is it a violin? It is a violin. You get the extra one point. And it's your question. One through ten, but you can't have seven or nine. Uh, one, please. Other than their exuberance and raw power, what other attribute did the band possess that knocked out filmmaker Marty DeBerge? Their punctuality. Correct, for two points. <laughs> Joe, what question would you like? Uh, question one. Question one has just gone. Sorry, question two. How tall was the Stonehenge prop? Uh, it was... 18 inches. Correct, for two points. It's closer than it could be. Rob, your third question. Uh, three, please. This is an easy one. What does band manager Ian Faith carry around with him at all times? Uh, cricket bat. He does, for two points. <laughs> Joe, would you like four, or are you going to mix it up? I'm laughing at just, I'm just laughing at the answers, like remembering certain parts of this movie. Uh, no, let's go with four. <laughs> What was written on the sign being held by the chauffeur on the band's arrival at JFK Airport? Oh, man. I'm going to steal if you don't know. I would like the options, please. In which case you can't steal, Rob. Sorry. Fair enough. Spinal tap, spinal wrap, spinal pap, or bathroom tap? Spinal pap. Spinal pap for a point. Are we still going in chronological order, or do you want to mix it up, Rob? No, I'll carry on. Whatever's next. Number five. How many people does David say have been in the band over the years? 37. Wow, he nailed it. Spot on. I, I thought... to name some of them. <laughs> no, you don't have to name any of them. That is not a bonus question. Uh, do you want question six, Joe? Yeah. 
Well, there are bonus a bonus question attached to this one, so a chance for you to reclaim some of the ground. Uh, what position in the Japanese charts is Sex Farm in? Four. Incorrect. And you can steal, Robin, because the options have not gone. I'm, I'm not sure. Two? No, it was fifth. Uh, Joe, you do get ah. the bonus question, though. Okay. What is the name of the new drummer the band has when they play Japan? Uh, I don't know. Do you know, Rob? Um, the new drummer. Is it Joe Mama Besser? It is Joe Mama Besser for a bonus wow. point. Wow. And Rob, it's your final question. Eight or ten? Um, eight. What was the original name of the band? Uh, the re well, hmm, okay. Going right back to the very beginning. The very, very beginning. The originals. Correct. Before they had to change it to the new originals. <laughs> and the bonus question here, what was the name of the first song that David and Nigel wrote together? Uh, all the way home. All the way home. For a bonus point, Joe, let's see if you can get some more points on the board. Question 10, the final question. If David and Nigel are fire and ice... What is Derek? <laughs> uh, can I have the choices, please? Wind, dynamite, a visionary, or lukewarm water? Dynamite. No, lukewarm water. <laughs> so at the end of this Spinal Tap quiz, Rob, our superfan, has scored 13 points to Joe Stapleton's four points i think we can say with some certainty it was a victory for our super fan so rob uh, a bit later than you should have done you will get a 109 euro satellite ticket no doubt for ept barcelona which is coming up in august and we will find something if we still have a mini chipset we'll send you that if not we'll find some other swag we got in the cupboard down the corridor great thanks very much and rob i just have one last question about your job before we let you go is your job like clark griswold's from uh from Christmas vacation, like you no. have to eat cereal and then figure out how to like market how crunchy it is. No, I just I'm an analyst, so I just dick around on the spreadsheets all day. So. Oh, okay. I was like, oh man, you could be living out '80s comedies. That explains why you love them so much. <laughs> just happened to be two that I really was fond of. So. Well, you crushed me. Nice work. Cheers. Thank you very much for coming on the show, Rob. Thanks for having me. Cheers, guys. All right, my babies, that is about all the time we've got for this week's show. But as James mentioned, we've got a chunky five-episode arc for you guys. So we will be back again next week with our overall scoop recap. And who are we getting for that? Are we getting Sprint and her fat? Oh, I probably shouldn't word it like that. <laughs> I have asked for the services of Mr. Benjamin Sprague, who, of course, came in the top 100 in a scoop event. Obviously, we can change that at the last minute if Finton suddenly makes a deep run in the scoop main, because, of course, he won that 10K ticket. Yeah, let's uh, make them compete. So basically, one of the guys, because they've been streaming throughout the two weeks will be joining us and we will recap everything scoop 2018 everything scoop x will be discussed on next week's podcast excellent and super fans you're gonna have to wait a little while we are all booked up on super fans until after our summer break although you say that 
The superfan who was booked for the middle week of June has now said he's not available. So there's one slot open. It's like the golden ticket that turned out to be a fake. Now, do you want to discuss superfan subjects, Joe, so you know what to watch in the coming weeks? Yes, and I I swear I'm going to almost try to do them this time. How well do you remember week 10 of season one of the big game? The Scott Fishman (laughs) week. Uh, I, I do not remember that super well. I, I know some of the story points. Uh, I, I can't promise I'm going to watch that. Okay, at, le- at least get someone to do some cliffs for you. Um, one Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. It's finally going to w- be a thing. So please, please, please at least go to the effort of watching that film. I will watch that. Uh, and finally, the only other one that's lined up is The Fugitive, 1993, Harrison Ford. I wouldn't mind rewatching that, but that's one that I may not get the chance to. Uh, if I do, usually it work, how's, how it works is this. If any of my dates that week, if I can get them to agree to watch the movie, that's when I re- usually get to watch it. I will watch Cuckoo's Nest no matter what. Uh, I just wanted to give a quick mention to a, a super fan last night who introduced himself uh, at the casino and we had a seat open in our game, not the TV game, but the after party game. And I got him to come over and play this guy, Umberto James was singing everybody loves a chop pot it's everyone loves a chop pot everyone right but i the title of the song is everybody loves a chop pot but the lyric is everyone loves a chop pot no it's not okay whatever i'm tired so anyway this guy he was he was singing the song he was quoting us uh many of the various projects that we worked on so it was really cool to have that kid in the game umberto there's a spot open for you if you want to apply he listens to poker in the ears so uh, maybe we can get you in for super fan uh other than that do not forget to like subscribe comment keep this show on the air let's keep this train rolling make sure that we have a show to come back to after july uh but for now i think that's all the time we've got my babies for james hardigan i am joe stapleton smell you later